You know what's true about this world? We like to celebrate flashy things. But what about courage? What about bravery? What about suffering? This is the place we give credit to what often goes unseen. This is the place we honor choosing grit. Ready? Uh, no. Hey, everybody. Happy Tuesday, or whenever you find yourself listening to this. Happy day. Today's guest is my friend Sam Wiebisch, which I always say her name wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. She's German. Sam and I have connected over the years because of having similar stories, as we're both young adults that have dealt with various physical health struggles for a while now. Sam has something called Epstein-Barr, Epstein-Barr, which essentially means she contracted mono a long time ago when she was 17 years old and basically never fully recovered. I felt this time of year was a great time to share our convo because as you'll hear, we specifically spend a lot of time digging into how each of us found ways to manage getting through college and school while dealing with physical suffering. And as you'll also hear, we learned a lot of pretty similar lessons and lessons that we continue to have to learn and relearn, but also lessons that we're both weirdly grateful for having to have learned. One of the first things I noticed about Sam is this sense of groundedness she has and just the way that she carries herself. And as we chatted and dissected her story a little bit, I got to learn a little more of where that comes from. And so, as you'll hear, she's legit. I know you'll be super blessed by her words. Enjoy. Sam, welcome. Hey, thanks, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for having me. Welcome to my living room. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. great. I'm liking the bold colors, nice. that teal yep, yep. going on. Our dining room's very bright. Yes. Um, Sam, to get to know you best, I know you know. I know you have an answer to this question because you've lived with Jacinta, former guest who talked about heartbreak. She loves this question. Three fictional characters you identify with. <laughs> um, this question makes me laugh um, because every time it feels like there's something a little different about it, but. Uh, the consistent one is Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables, um, <laughs> I associate well, with. You, you just look like her. Like, yes. <laughs> and a uh, lover of poetry, lover of reading. You're a big reader. Yes, yes. Okay. Not so much now, but I love books. Mm -hmm. I love learning, um, and I love poetry. So, mm -hmm. yes. Pigtails. Pigtails. Yeah, just give me pigtails. <laughs> Um, Sybil from Downton Abbey. Mm. I like her spunk. I like her, her heart and her spirit. And then, um, Maximus. I've decided on Maximus. From Tangled? <laughs> from Tangled. Very headstrong, stubborn, loyal horse. <laughs> He's very loyal. He reminds me of my family's dog. <laughs> have you ridden horses? Um, I have ridden horses a couple times. Yes. Cool. Cool. Loved it. Well, as you probably know, Sam, the definition of grit is courage, resolve, and strength of character. As your friend, and just from knowing some, some parts of your story, I know one way you have exhibited that 
has been the way that you've dealt with a number of health problems is one way we've connected in general. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that it's complicated and it's still something you're dealing with. But um, let's talk about first when when your health struggles came to be. Uh, Sure. The, The first time I really noticed, well, the first time I was very impacted by um, health problems to the point where they were kind of debilitating um, was in my gap year between high school and college. Mm -hmm. I took that year off to um, just to get some footing and earn some money for college, take my time. And about that, um, that October is when um, I got really sick and Mm -hmm. um, had mono and was diagnosed with some other things, but I was definitely impacted. Um, the mm-hmm. fatigue hit and it impacted my work for several months. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely impacted how I, I lived my and life. How old were you? I was 17. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right after high school, yeah. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a good chunk of time. <laughs> so you got mono and then basically never recovered fully. You could, yes, you could say that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and, and I thought I just had to take, you know, the mono, the mono route where you take care of yourself for a couple months, give mm-hmm. yourself some extra rest and you're good to go. And that's kind of how I treated that round. Now, looking back, hindsight being 2020, I realized that there was a lot more I could have done mm-hmm. to kind of take care of myself. But I was just putting in my time and um, mm-hmm. ready to move on as soon as I got 17. that. 17. Wow. Yeah. So then you still went to college, though, as after that year. You moved forward, mm-hmm. kind of. Yep. Freshman year hit, mm-hmm. and I went to class um, per usual. I did, you know, regular fun activities. I, for all intensive purposes, you know, was pretty normal. I was gluten free, but totally in air mm-hmm. quotes. So I mean, that was really my only, my only hang up uh, come freshman year, and really even into sophomore year. Um, junior year is when I, is when I started having more stomach problems. I was on the verge of a couple of stomach ulcers and, wow. but that, that was really it. I could still okay. c- carry about my classes and social life. So super manage- manageable for the most part. Yeah. In college. Sure. Yeah. You were quote unquote normal student yeah. until. Until uh, senior year. October came and I felt like I had mono again. This time it was, it was just, it was more debilitating standing up. Talking to people like in the commons while we were getting food became really hard. Mm. Going to classes and staying awake became pretty difficult. Um, So much so that um, when I flew back for Christmas break, after Mm. multiple um, doctor visits um, and getting on antibiotics for some walking pneumonia, I had decided not to go back until the antibiotics made such a big difference in over the course of my Christmas break that I, I... I made up my mind. I was super stubborn when it came to wanting to finish out my senior year. It just, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to finish out my senior year and yeah. finish with my class. And mm-hmm. that was super mm-hmm. important to me. Yeah. And you went to, uh, where'd you go to undergrad? I went to uh, Thomas Aquinas College. So super small school. How big was your class? <laughs> my class was under a hundred people. And you had pretty much the same people in it in every class as well, didn't you? Yeah. So all my daily classes were with the same um, mm-hmm. 17 mm-hmm. people. And then my night classes were with a different 17. 
Uh, sometimes there was overlap, but which was kind of nice because going to a school where it's so small, I did have a really good support group, you know, right. the dinners where I didn't have the strength to go get it myself. I would just text a friend mm-hmm. or my roommate or my sister who was there and they were really good about bringing me food mm-hmm. or making mm-hmm. sure I, I had what I needed. I felt similar. I My undergrad wasn't that small, um, but when I first got sick, I was at Edgewood Private School in Madison. Oh, sure. And I was like, thank God. I mean, you make it work wherever you are, but mm-hmm. having that proximity to my classes, like I literally only had to walk yeah. three minutes um, and I had yeah, had people within arm's reach. But that makes sense that you would want to finish with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Knowing how close you were. What was that last semester like? So you got a little better with antibiotics? Yeah. And the, well, yes. And they, they, they helped for a time. As soon as I stopped taking them, I, I felt pretty severe regression. But I was out at school at that point And um, I just made a bunch of promises that I was going to sleep as much as I could. And um eat really good food and make uh-huh. sure that I asked for help because I wasn't good about asking for help mm-hmm. until second semester senior year when I was kind of forced to a humbling thing. But I did. I, st- I stuck it out. I was writing my thesis during that time. Did you have, um, were you were you ultimately able to get to your classes at that point? I, om- I almost uh, failed out of a couple classes just um, for absentees. There, my school was pretty strict about how many classes you could miss and I was um, riding up really close, but okay. I made it through. Did you ever have to get, like I, a couple years in, had to ultimately seek out some accommodations like um, flexible attendance or? You know, I think if I had asked, yeah. I think I would have gotten more flexibility, but our classes are very classroom involved. So that was, that made it hard, but I would just I would take my lunch breaks and take naps, you know, between 11 and Mm. one, I would, I would just take naps. And as soon as classes were done, I would take naps. And I did a a lot of sleeping that year. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was definitely part of my philosophy as well. When not in class, I'm on the couch and save all the extra work for the weekends. Yeah, exactly. Socially, did your life look pretty different as well? Yeah, that was something that was very striking about my senior year, just um, in comparison with the other years, is there was a lot of um, time spent by myself. Sleeping. Yeah, sleeping. Uh-huh. <laughs> sleeping. And even even on the weekends, you know, mm-hmm. the friends that I would normally go and hang out with or, you know, go off campus and visit town or go to the beach, they would continue doing some of their normal activities so I had a lot of time that I felt just more solitary. Mm-hmm. And that was a that was a big adjustment for me because I was used to having, you know, yeah. tons of people around, you know, in and out. And I had some really good friends that made, you know, made it a point to just watch a movie with me because that was an activity mm-hmm. I could do, you know, mm-hmm. just from the couch, like you said. It is somewhat of a <laughs> blessing that it was your senior year <laughs> that you were at your worst, at least because like you said, you had yeah. those friendships developed that's not always the case for everyone that you were able to have those years where you could be quote-unquote normal you know I don't even know if I've thought about that in that way not only did I have friendships that were you know developed pretty well but I I also got to see who some of my truest friends were like the ones that really loved me in my weakness so yeah I guess there were a lot of 
a lot of blessings with it having been senior year because there was a smaller group that was definitely there for me in in ways that I really needed. So it was like it weeded out. I don't want to say weeded out. Your, your social life was trimmed down Mm -hmm. to the essentials. It came a lot more down to a selfless love, a friendship that was able to give when you needed it. um, Not just have a good time. That's beautiful. Yeah, I definitely realized the same thing. There are definitely seasons, like finishing school is a huge example for me, undergrad and my master's, yeah. when I had to not not necessarily like close my heart to a social life, but more so um, letting go of the expectation of having one. Beautifully put, yeah. And really choosing to invest in yeah like for me during during grad school it was like two people and <laughs> once i once i learned that approach in undergrad as well it was like any interaction that did come felt like so much more of a blessing yeah you just like it was a gift that expectation yeah yeah that was definitely a game changer for me to to learn that approach because otherwise you're trying to maintain whatever uh, normal social life looks like and it's just so disappointing because your expectations i mean i think even for healthy people that can be a reality like <clears> absolutely you're trying to meet these standards or whatever and when it doesn't look like you want to be then it's it's a heartbreak very much so but before we dive <laughs> too much into that um I know that you struggled a lot still after undergrad with your health. So how did it progress? Because now you are, how old are you? I think but <laughs> I'm 26. Yeah. Okay. So you, and you're in a very different place, but I know that you've still had a lot of recent struggle. Yeah. yeah. So after graduating college, I felt that in the summer was enough to recuperate um, from my senior year. And um, I spent a year teaching three and four year olds um, for the most part, which was, which was great. Um, But Mm -hmm. teaching for those of you, like anyone that is a teacher, it's wearing, like Mm -hmm. teaching takes a lot. Full time. Full time. Yeah. It was, it was a very, um, it was kind of a strange year for me. In some ways I felt like I got my health back because it, it was definitely easier than going to college. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and just being um, in that year, I moved home. Um, so I actually let people take care of me more mm-hmm. fully. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family was very gracious and just really, really beautiful about that. So in some ways, I, I had a lot of healing, but I didn't, I didn't ever slow down. I got up at five thirty, and you know, I had to commute, and you know, I drive into Milwaukee and spend some evenings and weekends. Then I did um, a year of missionary work after that, which um, was a beautiful year and had a lot of emotional healing, mm. but. Um, was very physically draining, mm-hmm. which I didn't really realize until the end of the year. Um, it's almost like being a college student again. All over again. <laughs> I was working with, with college students. students. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was with a great community during that year too. Just that pressure of being with people our age and who are full of life and ready to go. And, you know, there's always mm-hmm. something to do. And I really tried to keep up with that. It's a lesson you have to a lesson learn I keep over and over. Over and over. Was it still mostly fatigue at that point? Yeah. Okay. Um, but in addition to the fatigue, um, ever since senior year, it was um, kind of some of the symptoms of mono, um, which are now, you know, more commonly, you know, Epstein-Barr virus is what causes mono. So mm-hmm. the ones that are kind of involved in that are like sore throat and just, you can kind of feel foolish. 
um, or like you're, you know, you're fighting an infection. That was more or less how, how the progression worked. It was, it was going from fatigue to some additional things. Yeah. You felt like when you moved home and did teaching, you progressed a little bit Mm -hmm. because of being home. Yeah. And allowing myself to be taken care of really. (laughs) I ended up moving home during undergrad because it just, it does take off the stress of having to cook for yourself all the Mm -hmm. time. Um, And there are certainly less distractions socially, even though it's not as fun. Yeah. Um, But then when you were thrown into the missionary life, you felt like, would you say the level of interaction, like the amount of people was what was probably the most hard on your health? Absolutely. Um, And then, you know, just simple things like um, making my own food again and, you know, Mm, prepping. And I did a lot of walking on college campuses to and from different buildings Mm. and um, kind of pushed it past a limit that was comfortable Mm. at that time. So, yeah, I think there were there were a number of factors. I found this. Our stories are very similar. (laughs) Um, Did two years of mission work after undergrad. And I found as well that just being in an environment where you're surrounded by young adults. It's like, for me, it was almost subconscious that I was like trying that much harder to just be like the healthy people. Subconscious is a really good word because I, you know, I knew that I had to be careful going into my missionary year, kind of making that shift, you know, Mm -hmm. socially and just in my schedule, it was going to be very different. But I, I did not realize how much pressure I was putting on myself and I wasn't, I wasn't resting you know, and I had some very loving people point that out, but I was like, no, don't worry. I'm taking care of myself. <laughs> it's, so, it's so hard. It's so yeah. hard. I think for me, while I was doing mission work and also now, uh, it's so difficult to, you're constantly wrestling with, you're constantly wrestling with the notion that like, this is, this is a very life-giving life. Yeah. You're just like, oh, my heart wants to serve and be with these people. And so for me, I I push myself because of that. I, I said subconscious, but also like there were times when I knew <laughs> and I still know things are going to affect me. But for the sake of experiences, I want. Yeah. Um, and I really did love the work yeah. and I loved the people. So that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you took... So at the end of my missionary year, I had some tests done and, you know, saw multiple doctors and it basically came to, I, like, you have to stop working. I I was told you have to stop working and really you should give yourself a year to recuperate from, from what you're dealing with. And that was heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. You know, that summer after I was told that I, I lived practically by myself in Milwaukee. And it was, it was a very, um, very formative summer that, I mean, talk about isolation. Like I was basically by myself a lot of the summer with, I mean, with no work and with, with few people that were in and out. And then I had a roommate that was there for some of the time. Like there was a lot of time to think. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really hard for me to come to the realization that it wasn't physically feasible to keep living an even Mm semi-normal life. So yeah, I, I moved back home, um, and was taken care of and slept Mm -hmm. hours and hours and hours on end each day and really took a look at what foods were giving me problems and 
what nutrition, um, nutritional supplements were um, helpful in at least boosting my immune system. And like there was a good six months where, where all I really did was focus on sleeping, eating, walking when I could, you know, as much as I could and just getting better. So that was, that was a real wake up call. And, and at the end of that six months, I really did. I was, I was so much stronger Mm. as hard as it was as, and as heartbreaking as it was, it was a beautiful thing, you know, and I say that not using that word lightly. Um, and there were definitely things that were not, did not feel beautiful about it, but I can look at that time and I'm, you know, I can still be grateful for what happened. And for the rest of that year, um, I found a job where I worked 10 hours a week and that was exhausting at first, Mm -hmm. but I, I definitely, um, you know, I got stronger over that time and then I was able to go to 20 hours and um, I ended up switching jobs again for something that was more suitable for my health. So that, that year really was a break, mm-hmm. a break from a lot of social life, mm-hmm. basically most social life and um, just really focusing on health. That's huge. This isn't a chronic illness podcast, so I don't want to get too <laughs> into the uh, details necessarily treatment wise, um, but what what do you think it was? What was it that yeah. primarily made you turn the corner? Well, I think I think the beauty about having been forced <laughs> to take that chunk of time off was I was able to look at myself a little bit more as a whole person. And there were some physical things that really helped um, things in my diet, you know, not having gluten. And then I had to cut out um, dairy and eggs, things like drinking lime water, like right away when I woke up. Mm-hmm. Um, helped me actually wake up. Juicing celery was kind of a weird thing, but yeah. I'm I'm huge into juicing celery now because it, it made like black and white difference. You know, I took a couple, I found a couple of supplements that were specifically mm-hmm. for fighting infections. I was mm-hmm. working up to taking, you know, a mile walk. It took a long time for me to build up to that, but then, you know, taking walks. So I was getting mm-hmm. my lymphatics moving, but then like, there's something mental, like there's a mind's a mindset shift that happens when you really take a break. And I know, you know, you've taken that break too, Mm -hmm. but it's like you, you are in a headspace where you actually allow yourself to heal. Like I think, so I like, I let myself be taken care of. Um, That was a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. And there was like, and there was even some, some healing in that where I, I like to be self-sufficient. So like there was a lot of really good things that happened psychologically and emotionally too during Mm -hmm. that time Mm -hmm. Um, and just realizing that I had to accept myself in my my weakness at a point where you really don't like yourself (laughs) like actually Mm -hmm. learning to love yourself when you don't um, like how your body's working or don't like where your head's at Um, yep Mm -hmm. yeah so I think there were a lot of really good things that took place in that year that's beautiful I know that when I got to that place as well of, like you said, kind of like embracing like, okay, this is something really, really affecting me and mm-hmm. I can't be maybe who I want to be and do everything I want to be doing. Again, even though I haven't, in my case, fixed a lot of physical things, I found more balance, but it's still like, it's like it gives you the freedom to find joy within it. Yeah. Cause when you see something as a good and you're chasing after it, 
but you feel inadequate or you you just feel yourself getting farther and farther from that goal and you know for for me and maybe for you like being a normal person or like Mm -hmm. having a normal activity life when you feel that getting farther and farther I I at least my reaction was anxiety like a lot Mm -hmm. of anxiety um you know and then sometimes you know depression like it it it's really there's a huge lack of freedom when you have an expectation of where you should be Mm -hmm. And when you finally let go of that expectation and embrace who you are, where you're at Mm -hmm. and learn to love yourself a little bit and hopefully find joy in it. Like you said, Mm -hmm. there's a, there is a lot of freedom. That's, that's a perfect word to use. Like it's very freeing to accept yourself. It's really good for me to remember that that's what I know to be true because, you know, um, having felt better or at least more stable in my health for the last year, year and a half has been really good. But also when I, I still, I still have limitations. So when I, when I feel myself coming across a limitation, um, you know, my family and fiance know this well, like when I, when I feel myself hitting a wall, the anxiety Mm -hmm. spikes up because, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if I'm not in the mindset of accepting myself where I'm at and trying to take care of myself where I'm at, the only re- real result is anxiety. Right, right. Yeah. How beautiful, though, that, like you said, when you finally, after years, did embrace, I, I mean, you had a doctor that told you to stop. So in some mm-hmm. ways, as hard as that was to hear, that's a huge blessing. But when you finally did listen to that and listen to your body and make it a priority, that was when you did experience healing. It was like what you were running after before doing that. It eventually came to you, but first you had to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just a funny thing that it seems to be a reoccurring thing, um, in life where Uh. like, I just, you know, I yearn for something so deeply and I want it and I chase after it. And it's only at the point where I let it go and experience peace in the idea of I can be whole without it, where I, I gain some some semblance of that mm. of whatever it was that I desired. Um, it, it's kind of a funny thing because it it doesn't feel like pride, but then you look you look back or even subconsciously, it just you just feel a little bit of a tug. It's like uh-huh. okay, that that was me wanting things to be my way. It's so hard. Yeah, I think there's a lot of hidden pride. I know what you're uh-huh. <laughs> because it feels like you're chasing a good thing. A yeah. very good thing but there's a difference between something good and something that you're being called to or something good and what what is actually your lot yeah. at that point or when even when something is good um the way in which i chase it doesn't always it, mm. it isn't always good and, and the way that i was chasing after it just like grasping um being upset that i wasn't there already um you know mm. and all the emotions that come kind of with mm-hmm. that um and looking back um, through your whole journey through undergrad finishing college which is amazing that you finished college by the way <laughs> um stupid or miraculous uh, or both <laughs> but then after that yeah experimenting with jobs and such um i mean that's a, it's what you mentioned before is a pretty big big lesson in terms of embracing and our weakness especially. Is there anything though, just in the day-to-day now that you feel like 
um, you find yourself grateful for that you've learned through all of this? Mm -hmm. I think something that's I've been thinking about recently is um, something I learned during that time was who do I rely on? Um, and sometimes mm. that was kind of a confusing thing when you're surrounded by a lot of people who um, you're friendly with or are friends for a time. That the suffering or the pain kind of helped me realize who I could rely on. Mm. You know, and I've been blessed that my family's um, always always been there for me. That's huge. Um, but even even human any any human um, interaction still like you can't always rely on people perfectly, mm. um, and I can't rely on myself perfectly either. Um, so like knowing when I can rely on myself and my limitations, or what I'm able to do, like learning when I can rely on the people around me um, was kind of was kind of a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, finding finding a lot of peace in in contemplation um, in prayer was when I learned mm-hmm. to love myself the most mm-hmm. um, learned to accept where I was at mm-hmm. the most and that that was that was a really big thing um, and something that I just kind of re-remembered recently because I'd fallen away from that time of like alone time um, mm-hmm. contemplation or in prayer where you just you lose you lose that, that sense of peace mm-hmm. um, so I was reminded of that recently, how that is really what got me through senior year. Simply put, like yeah. that that time that I had um, in prayer and contemplation, yeah. that was what got me through senior year, hands down. That's huge. The way illness it forces you to have solitude, and like you mm-hmm. mentioned, that was one of the hardest parts at first, and it is also very, it's very difficult to often have to step away. But it's like it forces you to learn to be okay with yourself and make yeah. peace with yourself before God and and then allow that to flow into other areas of your life and and learn how to maintain that the suffering part still sucks and it doesn't make it any easier but it's like a, it almost makes it worth it yeah in in my um thesis defense um one of the one of the professors because the title of the title of my my thesis was um, the beauty and weakness, and little did I know, you know, how much I would have to grapple with <laughs> that thesis. So um, like That's the Lord so was really like, I, I think I think the Lord pretty clearly tested me on that. Like, okay, well, you're saying this, but do you believe it? Um, anyways, at, at my thesis defense, um, my one of the professors kind of pointed out. He said, "Well, is the weakness itself beautiful?" And I had to think about that. He kind of caught me off guard. And in the end, no. I mean, the weakness is itself is not is not a good thing. Is not a is not a beautiful thing. But it's um, it's the it's the means to an end. Mm-hmm. Like the weakness was the way that I needed to come to mm-hmm. um, self acceptance and healing in a lot of different areas and mm-hmm. learning to take care of myself and learning to be vulnerable. Like the weakness itself was not something that. I view as good on its own, but the things that it brought me to and it is, is still bringing me to, like those mm-hmm. are the good things that are truly good, mm-hmm. that are truly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't I don't look at the weakness by itself and think like, oh man, I'm so grateful for it. 
But when I look yeah. at the whole picture, mm. I, I'm, I'm grateful for what I've learned. You know, I'm still definitely, definitely a work in progress, but I feel like I'm more genuinely grounded than I ever was before this all happened. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So now you're working full time and you're engaged. And I'm engaged. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we didn't even talk about dating. But I'm not going to go there. <laughs> As your friend, I want to. <laughs> um, but how have you been... Um, how have you been handling 2020 specifically like, with the extra craziness? Yeah, honestly, um, <clears throat> what, 2020 has just, I don't know. It, I feel like everyone was just so heavily impacted by so much of what's going on in the world. Um, whether that be, you know, COVID or this, you know, the social unrest piece and there's, there's so much going on. Um, I felt vi- I felt a great lack of being grounded for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 2020 has been hard, you know, as, as it's been for everyone, obviously. Um, but one thing that in the last couple of months I've, I've been reminded of is, um, I guess like a mindset of freedom of living in the present. Um, I can't control what's happened. I can't control what will happen. I can't even control the people around me. I can't control the health of the people around me. Like there's, um, once I came to terms with that pretty fully (laughs) or what felt like, what felt, um, like I kind of embraced it more fully is just living, living in, in the present moment. Um, Mm. and, you know, really, really putting the energy, my energy into what I could control which is um, trying to live my best life, trying to um, grow closer to those in my life. You know, recently engaged, a lot of the focus is like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like where, where do I put my time and energy into the relationships that I know matter and just just being very present, even, even, in, even in my relationships, trying to be grounded in there's so much that I wish I could have done better. Quarantine and I could have handled so much, so much better. Um, but not being caught up too much in what I could have done better and not trying to control what the next couple of months are going to look like. Cause we don't, no one really knows, yeah. but just reminding myself that it's, it's just uh, one step by one step. That's, I think, I, I think I've learned that again, you know, through this whole <laughs> 2020 <Yeah>. business, but <laughs> yeah. Our whole world is learning that. Yeah. It's been, it's interesting how many weird flashbacks I've had to like, how similar in some ways this year feels like to me um, to when I first started having struggles with my health. Yeah, yeah. Like a lot of flashbacks. Thing, this huge thing that you aren't really sure what it is mm-hmm. comes in and interrupts your life. And at first you think it's just for a little bit and then yeah. it grows into this. <laughs> three weeks. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Not. Two months. Oh, three. Okay. Seven years. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully this will last that long. Um, Please no. Vaccine. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's beautiful to hear how it, it's, just, it's like, it always comes back to the same lesson. Embracing. Mm-hmm. Embrace the reality that you know, not what could, it could have been. Mm or not what you think it should be. Yeah. 
Anything else you want the world to know about your story? <laughs> um, I don't know. I just good stuff. Thanks. Um, yeah, I guess the biggest the biggest thing is I don't know. Just anyone that's dealing with physical stuff like you know mm-hmm. chronic illness, like we've had a taste of, um, or whether it's something emotional. I think just a huge thing to be said is um, to be really patient with yourself um, and just to allow yourself ign- just to kind of accepting um, like mm-hmm. the grit of where you're at mm-hmm. um, and knowing that you don't know what the future holds, just being patient and taking one step at a time. Thanks for being here, Sam. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. If you're new here and you have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of my story, you can always go to my blog, ichoosegrit.com, to learn more or go back to the very first episode I ever recorded called The Story of Carrie. Pretty much covers it. You can also find me on the socials, most places under I Choose Grit, because I'm the only I Choose Grit that exists as far as I know. If you like what you're hearing, press subscribe. And also write me a review, share with your friends, etc., etc. You know the drill. I love hearing from you guys. Finally, if this is something you want to continue to see me doing and you want to support this chronic illness and making a way for herself while managing her health, you can find info in the show notes on how to donate to support this podcast. Have a great week, people. I'll see you next Tuesday. Peace. What's your middle name? Marie. Samantha Marie, Marie Therese. Oh, really? Weebish. Okay, I'd still always say your last name wrong. <laughs> Weebish. Even though yes. there's an R. Yep, R so is silent. Confusing. If it's before an S C H in German.